love has done its part And let him reign in my life and my heart If love has done its part Welcome to Healing Hidden Wounds Radio, sponsored by Shadow of His Wings Ministry. We are glad you are listening today and hope you find words of healing, insight, and restoration. Shadow of His Wings Ministry was founded by Lee and Shay Preston and born out of God's vision for setting captives free. If you would like to support us in the work we do, please visit www.shadowofhiswingsministry.com to donate. Today on Healing Hidden Wounds, Lee is talking with Jonathan Darty, director of Be Broken Ministries. Let's listen in as Lee and Jonathan discuss the ins and outs of recovery from sexual brokenness. Okay, Lee, we're going to dive into the issue of abuse. And when we were talking off air, you said you kind of, first of all, just want to help people understand the definition of abuse. So why don't you tell us what is abuse? Okay. Well, yes, as we were talking, it's kind of what this podcast was born out of is uh, kind of a... uh, an idea that every time I began seeing that I was helping uh, someone in counseling or even began working with someone through uh, their relationship or in marital counseling, that there were things that I would hear about ultimately through our sessions that uh, certainly sounded like abuse to me, but uh, the person, the, the, the man I was working with, never saw it as abuse or never even acknowledged that it might have been abusive. And so trying to at least talk about those things now. And I think abuse, certainly there's uh, very blatant abuse, sexual abuse, where uh, genitals are touched or uh, penetration is done or oral sex is performed. Uh, But there's also that less obvious sexual abuse, which is those times when body space is violated in any way, whether it's uh, by someone... um, touching you uh, and you don't know it or touching you inappropriately and you're not quite sure how it feels. I call it kind of getting that uh-oh feeling in the pit of your stomach. Like there's something about this that doesn't feel right, but I don't know quite what to do about it. And uh, that can also be abuse. Well, I think the first thing that, that pops into my head is I'm thinking, you know, the, the 12 or 13 year old boy who uh, I've used this example many times in, in the workshops that I do. And and that is that you've maybe you're a twelve year old boy and you've you've gone out swimming and you come back into your house and you're maybe you're in your room and you're changing your out of your swim trunks and uh, you've got your door closed to your bedroom but without even knocking your dad just barges in and there you are with your trunks around your ankles and that's a that's like a violation of of unnecessary privacy for a boy who's going through very awkward stages of puberty and development and and that's an embarrassing, uh, sort of humiliating thing that can be considered abusive. I think, don't you think sometimes though that people, um, when they hear the word abuse, it, it almost sounds too strong for what we're talking about. Do you think that's some of the justification or the rationalization that people kind of push certain things aside because they say, "Well, abuse—that's like somebody getting hit in the mouth, or that's somebody that's that's being forced." 
to do something against their will. Right. Well, I think the biggest thing about abuse is nobody likes to say it because then they might feel like they're a victim somehow. And we don't like feeling like we're victims or that somehow someone took advantage of us in a victim victimizing kind of way. But like your example with the 13-year-old boy and the dad walking in, I think even a less uh, obvious example is the mom who overly attends to the young guy who's growing up and he's getting into puberty and she's still telling him what to wear or walking in on him in the morning, you know, first thing and saying, get up, honey, when he could very well have, you know, all kinds of things going on or checking in on him in the shower or those sorts of things when there's a really, uh, those are times where he deserves privacy and needs to begin to pull away from his mom, which is a big issue in working with people who struggle with uh, homosexual struggles. Uh, they need that that opportunity to break away from mom and press more into their own masculinity. Now we, uh, it's it's obvious as as we have dealt with many many uh, sex addicts that um, that abuse is not is is common to anyone who's developed a sexual addiction, not simply a, a some sort of homosexual acting out, uh, but also heterosexual acting out. And so, so abuse is kind of a common theme among folks who ultimately kind of uh, begin to mismanage their sexuality. Right. And I think it's like you and I have talked about before, and some people may not like to hear this out there, but the continuum along heterosexual addiction and homosexual addiction are pretty close. Uh, it just is one slight alteration that causes one to veer off to the left versus the right. And I think addiction is born many times out of abuse. Uh, because of something that even a person doesn't really know about, which is why you know I wanted to talk about it today. Because many of the guys I've worked with didn't realize that when you know his his two year old his two his older cousin who was two years older than he uh, who said, "Hey, you know what? I'll show you mine if you'll show me yours," and ended up uh, they masturbated in front of each other. That that opened the door to some sexual stimulation and some lowered sexual boundaries that nobody ever quite knew how to close again. He didn't know how to control that, and it kind of started that process up. Is there, I mean, are there use are there different types of abuse that sent to, tend to happen uh, to those who end up having sort of a homosexual affiliation or orientation versus those who do not? I mean, is there different types of abuse that tend to happen? It tends to be same-sex sexual abuse. It tends to be male-on-male sexual abuse. Uh, Now, there are many times when, and I want to make sure that the entire audience hears this, is that there are many times that a, a, a young man can be sexually abused by another man and not ever feel any homosexual struggles, mm-hmm. but be very much heterosexually addicted. And sometimes that's because of his fear of being homosexual. It's like, oh, wow, here's a guy who's a, who's had sex with me or done sexual things to me. Now I've got to prove uh, that I'm not gay. And so my conquest begins looking for any number of ways to, to meet up with women or to look at pornography and, and, and conquest those women online. So, yeah, it's definitely a part of it. What do you, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, of what our listeners might be hearing from us when we say, you know, there there are abuses that occur that, that sometimes people just kind of, they just say, man, it's not a big deal. Or, I mean, and I'm sure sometimes even in these family situations, the ones who are, you know, if a child even comes and says, hey, was it okay for cousin so-and-so to touch me this way? And the parents are like, oh, that's just kids, you know, be, uh, don't worry about it. No big, I mean, 
but do you also feel like maybe some of our listeners are saying, hey, are you guys kind of going on a witch hunt? Are y'all just trying to find things that are that are just part of that are kind of part of normal life and calling them abuse then? Are you afraid that some people might be saying we're we're stretching the definition of abuse to include a lot of things that maybe are kind of gray? Well, you know, I certainly want to I want to separate out that significant abuse that was caused by an ongoing interaction with someone that caused significant harm, pain through the perpetration because there's many folks unfortunately out there who are sexually abused and it's a significant abuse it's a long-term abuse it's uh, painful there's usually hurt involved those things I definitely don't want to minimize but I do want to say on the other side of the spectrum along that continuum down the at the end of it very well could be that guy who by his next door neighbor was just asked hey I dare you to, to hold my penis Mm-hmm. And then he did, and then before he knew it, he began to grow uh, uh, his own inferiority complex about his own body. Mm-hmm. And so that developed into other things. So I would just ask people if they're saying, well, I don't know if it's abuse or not, then you don't have to call it abuse. You can say, was it some sexual uncomfortableness that I felt? Was it some sexual boundaries that got crossed as I was growing up that led to some of my addictive behaviors? Well, what would be kind of the language you would use to say, okay, this is kind of determining where that line is of when something is or is not abusive? I mean, is there some sort of very specific line that determines whether or not something is abusive? Well, I think certainly um, one of the biggest lines is age. You know, if you're a teenager and you have a grown adult male who's wanting to touch your body or have you do things to his or her body, then that's abuse. If you're if there's an age difference there, I think the some of the state statutes are three years. If there's a three year difference between you, then it could be considered abuse or sexual assault. I think the other piece to that is how did it make you feel? Uh, did it feel uncomfortable, even if it was initially felt uncomfortable, because we all know that sometimes sexual abuse starts to feel good after a while. And that's another uncomfortable thing, is what do I do with that once it starts to feel good? Uh, does that mean I'm gay if it's the same sex, a sexual abuse situation, or does it mean that, hey, I'm just getting sex early if it's a heterosexual situation? Uh, I had one guy I worked with who was sexually abused by his 12-year-old cousin when he was 7 years old, and it was a female. She... Uh, provided immoral sex frequently and he didn't know anything about it until you know so i finally said well what do you think about that he said he had always been told by his dad was hey you should be considering yourself lucky you got you got to learn about sex early and so even in those situations um he remembers it he understood it he remembers feeling uncomfortable about it and now he wonders why he's addicted to porn and he has lost all of his relationships uh, and he can't keep his current one well, and you mentioned that there was, uh, you mentioned something about body image. Uh, do you see there a, there being a connection, maybe especially among those who then to, who then go down the path of homosexual acting out, where their abuse is directly linked to poor body image? Sure. I think Satan's number one goal in sexual abuse, especially same-sex sexual abuse that may lead to homosexual struggles, is to make that kid feel like there's something wrong with his body. And you know what? If you're a little 8-year-old who doesn't have pubic hair yet, doesn't have an enlarged penis yet, doesn't have anything that comes along with being a man, and yet you're being sexually abused by a grown man 
who has all of those things, then you begin to wonder what what's wrong with me, uh, or you may wonder that there may be inferiority. Why is this happening to me? Um, I had one guy I worked with who who wasn't sexually abused by an adult, but it was sexually abused by an older teenager, mm-hmm. and continued to wonder throughout his growing up years. How come I don't look as big as he did? Or how come I'm not as masculine looking as he was? Well, you can't compare a 7- or 8-year-old to a 16- or 17-year-old. There's just no comparison. He, he couldn't live up, yet he still carries that image of that 7- or 8-year-old around in his head. Hmm. Well, then, what do you, you know, I'm thinking of parents out there because a lot of what we're talking about here is is young younger kids. I mean, we're not talking about... Uh, and, and just this is kind of common among those who develop some sort of uh, mismanagement tendencies with their sexuality, whether it's heterosexual or homosexual, is that it all starts in childhood. I mean, um, I, I can't think of a single person that I've dealt with on on either side, heterosexual or homosexual, who's developed a full-blown sexual addiction, whose first traumatic encounter was after childhood. It all occurs, it all starts in childhood. So as a as sort of a a comment to parents, what would you tell them to look for to see if their child might be suffering some abuse that they don't know about? Are there telltale signs to know whether or not a child is because I'm I'm sure and I, we've heard this a lot, a lot of those who are suffering that abuse, they hide it. They don't know how to communicate it as a right. child. So are there some things that parents can look for in their child to say patterns are changing or maybe something where they can draw the child out to find out what is happening in their in their lives? Well, yeah, Jonathan, certainly personality changes. You know, if your kid's a real outgoing kid and then all of a sudden he's isolating, he's staying to himself. Um, if you see changes in the way he views himself physically, like if one day, you know, normally he runs around in his underwear and that's okay because he's only seven or eight years old and nobody cares, but then the next day he's hiding and he covers up all the time and he's afraid to show, you know, even his, to take his shirt off in front of other people or if he's showing a lot of shameful kinds of uh, behaviors, things that look like shame, like hiding and being timid, uh, not feeling comfortable around the family anymore. Um, I think one of the biggest things to look at is that, you know, unfortunately, too, when you add sexual abuse in, you generally add it to a family where sex isn't really talked about. And so that kid doesn't really know what he's going through or she's going through is either right or wrong or he's he may be being told things that are lies like, oh, this is okay, This is just between me and you. And so sometimes kids don't tell because they've never been asked. And so sometimes it's okay for parents to just say, hey, you know, uh, I just want to let you know that if anybody ever touches you in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable or touches you where your swimming suit uh, normally is in those areas, then it's okay to talk to me about it or talk to somebody about it. Uh, Because sometimes kids don't realize it. I have many people I've worked with who said, I didn't know it was wrong until I realized one day what sex really was. And then I realized I'd been having it for the last 10 years. And so sometimes it's about communicating. So parents sitting down with their kids and talking about this is sex and this is your body and this is your penis and nobody gets to touch it except you and and kind of setting up those boundaries and helping them making sure that they understand what those boundaries are. 
Well, then let's shift gears into the, um, you know, those who are going to compile or comprise most of our listening audience, which are adults. <laughs> uh, we don't really get any 13-year-old listeners on this program, which is Not fine many. because it's a little advanced for uh, we don't want to be part of their trauma. Right. And <laughs> they're growing up. But, okay, let's think about our audience here. I'm sure there are a lot of folks listening to us who have been abused, both men and women in our audience in some form or fashion. What do you say to them in order for them to be able to ultimately be free from the guilt and the shame and the the secrecy um, and all the darkness that goes along with having carried that shame of the abuse or anger? of the of the abuse. What do you say to that person in order to help them begin to get on track to being free from that? Well, I guess first of all is that it's okay to acknowledge that whatever happened happened. And that's some of the the hardest first steps to take is to say, "Okay, Uncle Joe really did do this to me." Or, "Yeah, my cousin Frank who was my best buddy, yeah, he did masturbate in front of me and ultimately did things to me at some point." And I use examples like that because those are the things that we don't ever really think are abuse. It's like, well, you know, just because he did that doesn't mean he abused me. Um, so sometimes it's okay to, first of all, just say, yeah, it did happen. And whether you want to call it abuse at first or not, that's up to you. You don't have to call it abuse. But you also, at, hopefully at some point, need to look at what it, what it made you feel and what it caused you to feel like. And then begin to deal with, okay, what happened next? If I went back... If I continued to participate in it, uh, if it began to feel good, do I feel shame in that? Probably so. Should I? Probably not, because the body's going to respond no matter what. The body's going to respond to touch. If somebody touches those body parts, your genitals, then they're, they're meant to respond. God made them that way, whether it's abusive or consensual. And so trying to help people understand that just because they may have gone back, you know, if something feels good, I may end up going back to it. It doesn't mean I understand what it's going to do to me or what it's all about in the end. So some of the journey has to be educational. I mean, it's almost like there's a there's an initial point of, first of all, just acknowledging that something that uh, something that shouldn't have happened did happen. And then from that point, there's a learning curve. Of then, okay, now what do I do with it? Because, I mean, uh, I, I've told folks before that, um, you know, confession, that's just, the, that's just the entry point to change. That's just, the, that's just the first step. Simply acknowledging that abuse occurred in your life will not automatically set you free right, <laughs> right, right. then. There's, there are additional steps to that. And so what I'm hearing from you is saying you have to first get to that acknowledgement phase, that something inappropriate happened. But then after that, you have to learn kind of kind of where did that uh, touch me? Not physically, but where did that touch me emotionally and spiritually? What did that, what, what kind of growth in me did that stunt? Because right. a lot of times it, it does seem to kind of uh, stunt emotional growth because it's so traumatic. Sure. And if, I mean, we're talking about pure sex radio, that's what we're on today. So we're talking about addiction. And so imagine the guy who's addicted right now, either heterosexually or homosexually, 
and he's been sexually abused, but he's not sure it was even sexual abuse. Well, there's shame tied to that sexual abuse, whatever it was. You know, any time, you know, somebody feels like somebody's invaded their sexual space, there's going to be shame there. And then you tie that on to the shame that surrounds addiction already. Well, I can't stop this. How come I can't stop this? Well, sometimes the reason why the addiction doesn't stop is because it's directly tied to the shame of that sexual abuse. And if you can get in there and you can start looking at what was the hurt that caused me to feel this way. You know, say it was a girl who sexually abused, you know, you as you were, you know, seven years old and she's 15 and she's trying to act out sex on you somehow. And you don't get an erection because you're only seven years old. You can live in that shame of I can't perform as a man for the rest of your life Mm -hmm. and look in all kinds of ways to, to find that through the addiction to prove to yourself, hey, I really am more of a man. Or say it's a little kid who's sexually abused by a grown adult and always wonders, you know, where do I get that same kind of sexual touch? Because I, I felt loved. He, he told me he loved me. He, he, he hugged me. He kissed me. He had sex with me. I don't get that anymore. Does that mean I'm gay? Well, I don't believe that gay really exists. But I do believe that that kind of sexual abuse can lead to homosexual struggles because that's the only kind of closeness that he ever found from a guy. So there's a lot of confusion there. So it can create that addiction. So it's trying to get back to those abusive behaviors and see where they caused the system to go awry, so to speak. We are glad you joined us today, and we hope that God had a special word just for you. Remember that Healing Hidden Wounds and Shadow of His Wings Ministry are listener-supported, and all services are provided on a donation basis. If you heard something today that was especially important to you, we hope you will consider donating a gift please visit www.healinghiddenwounds.com to donate today. Now let it rain in my life and my heart Your love has done its part Now let it rain